Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. When we take a look at end-time events, eschatology, we need to know exactly what the Lord was saying and also through the epistles. When they said temple, there is a physical brick-and-mortar temple, Iron. Then there is a temple, spiritual, being that of Naos. It's very important by just taking a look at the Greek in the original to see what is being referred to, whether a natural temple or a spiritual one. Now Paul stated that, no, you're not, your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost, you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Well, that temple there is not an iron, a physical temple, but it is a spiritual temple, naos. The same that Jesus said in John 2.19, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. He did not speak about a brick-and-mortar temple. When he said there, they said to Jesus, 40 and 6 years, were they in building this temple, and you're going to raise it up in three days? Jesus stated uh, that he spake of the temple of his body. That is naos. Now, what does that mean to us as far as eschatology goes, end-time events? Well, in 2 Thessalonians, talking about the coming of the Lord, and are gathered together to him in the second Thessalonians, the second chapter. We find Paul stating again that many had thought the imminent return of Jesus was at any minute, that everything was fulfilled. And he had written that in the first letter. He stated that in first Thessalonians 4, verse 17, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ would rise first, and we which are alive and remain would be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. They took it to mean, the church at Thessalonica, that the imminent return of Jesus was at any minute, that all prophecy had been fulfilled. Though Paul deemed it necessary to write a second letter, to set things in order according to the season and the times, which he stated there in First Thessalonians, uh, the fifth chapter, saying it's given unto us to know the times and the seasons. Maybe not the day, the hour of the Lord's return, but it's given to us to know the times and the seasons. And we're children of the day, not of the night, that that day should take us as overtake us as a thief in the night. Well, he made that very clear. Well, when they took it that it was an imminent return of just any minute, there then he deemed it necessary to write that second letter to the church at Thessalonica, stating there, Second Thessalonians 1, about the reason of the cross and sufferings. Now, that's not a popular message in the present church world, and understandably so, because no one likes to suffer. How be it? Think it not strange the fiery trial which is to try us, as though some strange thing happened to us, but rejoice inasmuch as we are partakers of Christ's sufferings, and the glory of God resteth upon us. The glory is in relation to the glory and the sufferings being a cloud of adversity and a balancing of the clouds in glory. And Job talks about the balancing of the cloud. Well, those that are partaker of the sufferings will also be partakers of the consolation. That's 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. Well, Paul said over there that it's not, we're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. Peter went on to say in 1 Peter 4, 1, that for as much then, as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, in the days of his flesh, that we are to be likewise minded. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Well, if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. Paul stated many times, trouble on every side, but not in distress, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Why? always bearing about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of the Lord Jesus would be manifest in our bodies. 
For we which live are always delivered unto death. That's the cross. They can see it. Crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lust, that the glory of God can be revealed. So we which live are always delivered unto death, that the life of our Lord Jesus would be made manifest in our mortal bodies. And our light affliction, which is only but for a moment, worketh for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The glory is commensurate along with the sufferings. We're partaker of the sufferings, we'll be partaker of the consolation. Now, when we talk about the temple, reference to the temple, that Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. He was not talking about a brick and mortar temple there that we would not, that would be destroyed in 70 AD. He was talking about the temple of his body. We see that in John 2, verse 19. Well, the same is true when we find in that second letter to the church at Thessalonica that Paul deemed necessary to write about the imminent return of Jesus of certain things that must happen. He goes about in the first chapter, 2 Thessalonians, first chapter, about your faith grows exceedingly. The charity of every one of them. The charity is finally the bond of perfectness, uh, perfect perfection. It's a guarantee of reaching perfectness. Therefore, we have to add to our faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and finally, the final charity. Charity will cover a multitude of sins. It's not just love. It's love, but the love for God based in doing his will. Charity is doing the will of God because we love God, but charity goes far than just love, not more than in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's charity. Charity is shown by the works that accompany salvation. Show me your faith without your works. James said, I'll show you my faith by my works, the faith that, faith that accompanies salvation, not the works of the law that any man should boast, but that works that accompany salvation, just as Paul stated. I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I might win Christ, not being found having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Don't worry about the works of the law. No flesh should be saved. But the righteousness of God by faith. And the righteousness is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That he is that God, the Father of glory, that he himself took on a body of flesh and blood, making himself of no reputation, coming under the law to redeem us that were under the law. And then, after his death, burial, and resurrection, went back to his former glory, God working salvation in and of himself alone. That is the revelation of Christ. Christ is the Father. Christ is the Son. Christ is the Father, the invisible Spirit. Christ is the Son, which is the invisible Spirit revealed, manifest. And that's the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received them into glory. 1 Timothy 3.16 and what does it mean for us, the church of the living God in the last days? Most have believed that in the Daniel, talking about the 70 weeks, that then last week in Daniel 9.27 is that week or seven years of tribulation, or the great tribulation. The great tribulation is three and a half years long, 42 months, time times a half. We see that in Revelation 13. He has and will continue for a time, times, and dividing of a time, three and a half years, and cast truth to the ground and will prevail over the saints. That's not Israel. The saints are the ones sanctified, called by the name of Jesus. That's the church. So there's two things that have been taught in eschatology that are totally in error. They're wrong. And any person that seeks God is going to see that. Is going to be revealed. First of all, 
the temple that we see reference to that the Antichrist will only come when that second or the third temple, excuse me, is built and he will dwell in that temple calling himself God. Well, that there will be a brick and mortar temple built upon the temple mount or just adjacent to it there in Israel in Jerusalem. But when we read the text, as Paul stated, and talking about the sufferings and why we're going through the sufferings in the first chapter of 2 Thessalonians, uh, first chapter, we see that this charity abounds one toward another. They've reached that final epoch, that state of glory unto perfection. Charity suffers not itself, bondeth not itself, seeketh not its own, and rejoices in the truth. We see that in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. And Paul states a, a truth there. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Those are the childish things of faith. It's faith, but it's not in a higher glory. Put away childish things. Well, we have to know what the child is. The children of the kingdom will be cast out. But what is he talking about there? Well, the first level of glory is that newborn children, a newborn baby. We find that to be born again, John 3, you must be born of the water and the spirit. Well, no one will disagree with that. But what that is, many do disagree on. Born of the water is water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Born of the spirits, receiving the Holy Ghost, according to the keys given to Peter on the day of Pentecost, and he stated that truth. Repent. I ask him, what must we do? Men and brethren, what must we do? And Peter stated, Acts 2.38, repent. Don't stop there. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's how your sins are remitted. Born of the water. That's a spiritual circumcision of the heart that a believer can believe with the heart in the spirit, not in the mind or an intellectual belief in the heart. That's born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the spirit, for the promises unto you, your children, to many that are far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now that's born of the water and the spirit, Repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of the sins born of the water, receiving the Holy Ghost born of the Spirit. Those are newborn babies desiring the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Well, very few agree with that. And think, well, you just ask Jesus to come into your heart and you're saved. That's not born of the water and the Spirit. And... In Romans 10, 9, you have to believe with your heart and with the mouth confession is made in salvation. But not believe with your mind, believe with your heart and the spirit. And that's the reason we see in Smartan, Revelation 2, that many say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. What does he mean by that? Many say they are Jews. Well, he is not a Jew, then is one outwardly in the circumcision of the flesh, Romans 2, 28 and 29, but he is a Jew. That is one inwardly circumcision of the heart in the spirit whose praise is not a man, but of God. Well, they say they're Jews, but they're not. They've never had the spiritual circumcision of the heart by baptism, as we see in Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12. You're complete in him, have need of nothing else, in which you're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Circumcised means to cut. What are we cutting? We're cutting off the body of the sins of the flesh. How do you do that? It's through the operation of God by baptism. Colossians 2, 12. By baptism. Somebody said that's not faith. Yes, it is. By faith in the operation of God a spiritual operation. God takes a spiritual scalpel and cuts off the foreskin of the heart in the spirit of man. Only 
by water baptism. There's no other way. Born of the water. And uh, it says that by faith in the operation of God, when he raised him from the dead, that we're buried with Jesus in baptism. That's what Romans 6, 1 through 4 states. That the body of the sins of the flesh might be destroyed. How? By the circumcision made without hands, the circumcision of Christ by baptism. As Mark 16 says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But the church world tells us he that is saved shall be baptized. No, he that is, believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Without the baptism, without that born of the water, then there's no salvation. The newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. They may grow thereby. They're not full grown. Then they go to little children. Little children, we know that in 1 John 2, 12 through 14, I write to you little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. You're born of the water and spirit. And you have another qualification. And you have known the Father. That's 1 John. That is second chapter, 12 through 14. I write to you little children because... You have known the Father. They know that Jesus is the Father. They believe what he said. I and my Father are one. We're one of the same spirit. And that is John 10, 30. We also see it in John 14. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. I say, as thou then show us the Father. Ask, where is your Father? John 8, 24. Jesus stated, except you believe that I am he, the Father of glory, you shall die in your sins. This I understood not. He spake to them of the Father. Well, that is the going from babies to little children. Now, we go to young men. I write to you, young men, because the word of God is strong in you, and you've overcome the wicked one. Now, that's the Revelation 2nd and 3rd chapter, the overcomers. But we've got to go all the way to fathers for the apocalyptic sealing in Revelation 7. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him that's from the beginning. That's the word of God. I have written unto you, fathers, because you've known him that's from the beginning. Here again, John tells us that in his epistle, 1 John, 2nd chapter, 12 through 14. And uh, who is that him that's from the beginning? It's the word. In the beginning was the word. Word was with God. The word was God. The same as in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was anything made that was made. Now that is knowing him that's from the beginning is the word of God. That is what they have received with their eyes before and behind as a redeemed of the Lord. They have the faith of Jesus. That is the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. Without the spirit of prophecy, it is impossible to understand the words of the book of this prophecy, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, there's two basic eras that are so misleading that it'll cost a person their soul. And that's very, very fundamental, but also very profound. And that is, number one, that the temple that Paul speaks of in the rapture, he goes on and says, now all this that you persecution and all this tribulation that you endure, it's a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you might be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. So he's telling us why we're suffering. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. Experience worketh hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. We realize that. But we have to come to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ and that if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. We'll be a joint heir, an equal heir with Christ, inheriting all things that those that overcome. Well, talking about the coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto him. Second Thessalonians, that second chapter. That you be not soon shaken in mind or letter from us or from an angel for the day of Christ. That day of Christ, whenever he comes, puts eastern sky. The rapture, our gathering together unto him, shall not happen until, and it states there, 
10, kill that come like falling away first. That falling away, 1 Timothy 4.1 tells us about the falling away. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith. They will depart. Given heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidden to marry, abstaining from each which God has sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Stated it very simply right there. They'll deny the faith. Not all, but some will. Well, there could be, will come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed. We all have that man of sin must be revealed before the rapture. Who opposeth all that is God or that is worshipped, so that he as God setteth in the temple of God. That temple is not an iron. It is not a brick-and-mortar physical temple. Paul didn't use that word. He used naos. He knew what he was writing. Naos, a spiritual temple. That is what Jesus stated in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. When you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, where he ought not, shouldn't be there, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Then he goes on and says, let them that are on the housetop not come down to take anything out of their house. Well, that's not national Israel. Somebody said, well, that's gone. They're going to be fleeing to Petra. No, they're not. It's the church of the living God, the ones called by his name. It's not national Israel. It's the ones called by the name of Jesus. Israel's not called by the name of Jesus. They will be saved as a nation, but will not be in the church, the body of Christ, except they repent and are born of the water and the spirit, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and receiving the Holy Ghost. They must there be grafted back into the vine. They are the natural olive branches. Certainly can be saved. But the nation Israel will be saved in one day. This is after the fullness of the Gentiles come in, the church. And that's where we have uh, many that believe there's a pre-tribulation rapture when there's not. And they state that in Revelation 4, verse 1, stating that's the rapture of the church. And from then on, it has nothing to do with the body of Christ, the church of the living God, which is alive and will cost many their souls. And there, when Jesus stated that you're going to be hated of all nations for my namesake, not because you're national Israel, because you are called by my name, the Ecclesia, the Church of the Living God. Many has been baptized into Christ and put on Christ, called by the name of Jesus. That's the church of whom the whole body in heaven and earth is named that name. And for his namesake, you'll be hated of all nations. They're going to hate the church of the living God. They're going to hate simply because Jesus said they've hated me without a cause. They're going to hate you. That is very simple. The church of the living God, not national Israel. Well, as we go on in Revelation 4, verse 1, John said that there was a door open to heaven for him. There was a door open in heaven and a voice of a trumpet talking with him. That's not the worldly church talking with him. That's the voice of Jesus, the voice of a trumpet. That trumpet is a clarion incising call that pierces the heart of man. But the worldly church doesn't have that. It's got a cornet. It'll come close, but it will not pierce the heart. It has a cornet, flute, harp, sackbolt, psaltery, dulcimer, six instruments that you read about in Daniel 3, verse 5, 10, and 15, mentioned three times. Well, no trumpet there, because the trumpet is to reprove, rebuke, and correct for the perfecting of the saints. But they do not have it. The worldly church doesn't have that. They've got a cornet, a flute, a harp, sackbolt, psaltery, dulcimer. The dulcimer 
is such a nasal tone <laughs> that it literally charms a snake right along the chaff with the wheat because it has no piercing tone. They sit right there together. Nothing is reproved, rebuked, or corrected for the perfecting of the saints. There's no clarion trumpet voice. Well, John has, and hears the voice of a trumpet, the true voice of Jesus. Not a worldly trumpet, but the true voice of Jesus Christ. And that door's open in heaven, a voice of a trumpet talking with him, saying, come up hither. They said, well, that's a rapture. No, it's not. It's a higher level of glory. How do we know that? Because, and I will show you things. That's the things of faith. Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. That's not the rapture. That is a revelation of things of faith, earnestly contended for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That's what the whole book of the Revelation is about, given to the church. The church of the living God, not national Israel. The church. The revelation, Revelation 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things. That's faith. Things that must shortly come to pass. Why? It's the final faith that was once delivered to the saints unto perfection. For Jesus is not coming back for a church that is not perfected. Coming back for a church without spot and without blemish. That is perfect in all her ways and made herself ready. And he gives us what we must do to be an overcomer in that church in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. Revelation 4, John gives us the things of faith that we must receive in the seals, trumpets, and vials. And we're there the whole time. There's no pre-tribulation rapture. We find that he prevails against the saints for 42 months. That's not Israel. That's the church of the living God. And the blood of the saints and the prophets are found in her. That is the body of Christ sealing their testimony with their own blood. Well, I know that doesn't sound like a God of love would do that. But we think, well, God is a God of love and he will not allow the church to go through that. Well, tell that to Peter, James, and John and all the ones that seal their testimony with their own blood. Even John that tried to boil him and went on the Isle of Patmos that wrote it. He was a fellow, fellow servant of the Lord Jesus Christ in all tribulations and persecutions. And that, and he was there for the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19.10. But we've been duped. We've been told a lie. And it seems okay for the natural church, the natural mind. It's simply not the truth. So it's not the rapture in Revelation 4, verse 1, which they predicate everything on. It is not. It's simply a higher revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the showing to his servants things which must shortly come to pass and signified by his angel unto John. John is the church and the spirit of Elijah. You see that in Revelation 10. So, whenever in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, the Antichrist, who opposes all that is God, the son of perdition, opposes all that is God, or that is worship, so that he as God, that is in the temple of God, is not an iron. It's not a physical brick-and-mortar temple. It is naos. Somebody said, well, where is he? Well, not only in the front, front row of the church, he's behind the pulpit. It's a time that they received the false revelation and causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their forehead or in their right hand. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. It's the number of a man. And his number is key Z stigma. Six hundred, three score and six, which is Jesus Christ is not come in the flesh. Now, if you haven't seen that, turn to a podcast on the mark of the beast go into it in detail about to receive it. And that is through the conversation, whether what you live for God and you don't. Though we're saying that there's not a 
pre-tribulation rapture. Somebody said, well, I don't think it's an ed- a salvation issue to begin with. Well, then why does it state in Amos 9 verse 9 that there's a sifting going on among the nations? God's sifting and chaff from the wheat. And not the least grain will fall to the ground. He's not going to lose any of his of that appointed harvest of the corn and that wheat and barley. But he says, Amos 9 verse 10, I will destroy, destroy all the sinners of my people. Uh Uh-oh, the ones that miss the mark. I will destroy all the sinners of of my people by the sword. What did they do? Which say no evil. No tribulation, no persecution. Raw. R-A-H, it means triple tribulation or persecution. I'll destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword. Well, what's a sword? Which say no evil shall prevent nor overtake us. That sword, Jesus said, you think I come to send peace on the earth? Well, the Antichrist preaches peace. It's the prophet. It's the followers of Baal saying peace when there is no peace and by peace shall destroy many. But Jesus said, you think I come to send peace on the earth, but rather a sword. That sword is a two-edged sword. It's the word of God. To set a man at variance, the father against his son, mother against the daughter, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. That's the sword. That is, you either believe the word of God or we get cut off by it. That's the reason why there after the fall in Genesis 3, verse 24, God set at the east end of the garden of God, cherubim, capital C. We're told that those are angels. It's a capital C. It's indicative of the Lord Jesus Christ and his four faces. And a flaming sword. That's the word of God. We know that. Well, somebody said, well, I believe it's angels along with a flaming sword turning every way. Uh, well, that's true. In the spiritual sense, it's Jesus Christ in his four faces and the sword being the word of God. And it literally kept the way of the tree of life. As it was supposed to. That's a capital C. Jesus has his four faces. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 3. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's the excellency of the power. It might be of God, not of ourselves. What are the four faces? Lion, man, ox, and eagle. The gospel according to Matthew, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. The gospel according to Mark, John Mark, he's the perfect man. The gospel according to Luke, the beloved physician, he is the suffering servant, the ox. The gospel according to St. John. He's the eagle. There's a lion, man, ox, and eagle. There's his four faces. That's a capital C. He's cherubim. That's God. It's deity. But now the cherubim are the lion, man, calf, and eagle of the living creatures of Zoe in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5 are a little C cherubim. That's coming to the same image of Jesus Christ but they have to come and come out of the fire. Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel 10 tells us there's these four beasts. They come out of the fire. They have an appearance of a man. What's a man? Jesus ahead and we, the body of the Christ. And they have their four faces, lion, man, ox, and eagle. And these are the cherubim, which are the same as the living creatures of the four beasts before the throne of God in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. Exactly the same, except they're small, little K, small K, C, cherubim. These are the ones in the image of Jesus Christ. They're the living creatures. They're the ones that's going to preach in the white, red, black, and pale horse rider in Revelation 6. One of the four beasts said, come and see. They're the ones preaching to come and see. Come, you got to move. See is revelation. And uh, that kicks on 
and against the seals, which is the seals or the heartbeat of God himself revealing his heart. You're dealing with the very heartstrings of God. The seals are the heartstrings of God written to his church, not to national Israel. It's written to all that will believe in the church and come in and be grafted into the vine to be saved. And of course, Israel, after the flesh, can certainly, as natural olive branches, be grafted back into the vine if they will simply believe, as we all must believe, in obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness. Now, with that said, that temple is a naos. That is, that he will show himself throughout the world in the temple, which temple we are, but he'll stand where he ought not. That's the reason we see in Pergamos where Satan's seat is and where Satan dwelleth. Dwells? Yes, Pergamos. And we find in that church that those that overcome, those are the ones that eat of the hidden manna. This is something deeper than just, oh, pre-tribulation rapture, we're all going to just pop out of here like popcorn, and then national Israel's going through it. What a lie. We're the ones that's left behind of the true church of the living God. He gathers the tares first and and they're thrown into the fire. And then what's left over is the true remnant. Take a look at Hebrews 12. That God hath promised yet once more. He shakes not only earth, as he did in the days of Moses and the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he came down and descended upon that Mount Sinai. And it burned with fire and smoke. And the sound of a trumpet grew louder and louder. The trumpet. Well, that's what's talking with John in Revelation 4, not a rapture. It's a higher glory showing him things of faith that must come to pass hereafter. Well, that trumpet voice went louder and louder. He shook the earth. What a deliverance. Delivering all of Egypt, out all the Israel out of Egypt. What a deliverance. But the work of God in the last days will be so profound that they won't even come into mind of the exodus of Israel out of Egypt. It won't even come into mind because of the great work that God will do in the last days when he brings up his people, a church of the living God, out of the land, the north, south, east, and west, whithersoever he had driven them. And we're talking about the church. How do we know that? Because in the former reign, all the church of the saints of God were scattered abroad. Not Israel. The church. Acts the eighth chapter. They abode only at Jerusalem, the apostles only. For the saints, the church of the living God, the body of Christ was scattered abroad and went everywhere, preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. To the point, he said, these that have turned the world upside down have come to our city also. That's the church not national Israel, the ones called by the name of Jesus. As he stated, all those that are called by my name, you'll be hated for my namesake. Well, that's what happened in the former reign. In the latter reign, it'll be the same because Daniel 12 says, after God has accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, not the nation of Israel, but the holy people sanctified, sanctified both spirit, soul, and body, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, sanctified, holy, both spirit, soul, and body. And after he's come to the scattered power of the holy people, all these things, things of faith, should be finished. Well, that's what's going to happen in the latter rain. As you give you rain in the time of the latter rain, though the Lord make bright clouds, send forth showers, everyone grass in the field, and it's the last great rain of his strength. The former rains, Acts, the second chapter. Pentecost, the latter reign is tabernacles, far, far higher, greater in glory. But we're told we're raptured out and going to set in the marriage supper of the Lamb, getting that for th- seven years, and then we're coming. No, 
Because as you see in Hebrews 12, he states, the Lord hath promised yet once more, I shake not only the earth only, as he did in the days of Moses in the exodus of Israel from Egypt. What a wonderful work. But he said, yet once more, I don't shake only earth, but also heaven. We find the shaking of all the nations and shaking of heaven in Haggai 2 is in the seventh month. Tishri, tabernacles, a different season altogether. That I'll shake not only the earth, but also heaven, that all that can be shaken may be removed as of things that are made. Everything man-made doctrine will be cast to the ground. He'll famish all the gods of this earth. Every man-made doctrine that is wrong will literally be destroyed. Then, who's the remnant? Well, those that cannot be shaken may remain. That's the remnant of her seed that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Seeing then that we, the body of Christ, have a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. That's as plain as anyone that seeks diligently the Lord our God will see. So in Revelation 4, verse 1 is not a rapture. It is a higher glory caught up to God to his throne. And that's the reason And the cherubim, along with that flaming sword, will cover, shadow the mercy seat, Hebrews 9, 5. That's the work of the ministry. And Paul stated that. It's a worldly sanctuary with a divine service, Hebrews 9. And he talks about the cherubim, shadowing the mercy seat, of which now he could not speak particularly. Why? Because he was in the Pentecostal season. He was not in the season of tabernacles, and he was in the former reign, not in the latter reign. It was not time. What's the work of the cherubim? It's the work of the redeemed. You'll see that in Revelation 5, the four and 20 elders and the four beasts, lion, man, calf, and eagle, Sing the song of the redeemed. They're not angels. They're redeemed of the Lord. And that's the reason why your Revelation 19.10 man is not an angel. It is the body of Christ in the unity of the faith, Jesus the head, and we the individual members compacted together according to the measure of every part in that unity of that faith fitly framed together as one man. It fills heaven and an earth. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. There's one man's, that is Jesus Christ. He's the head, we're the body, we're the feet generation. And that's what John sees in Revelation 19.10. He saw it, and he was about to worship him, say that, see that, do us and not. Who are you? I'm of thy fellow servants and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. That was the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That's the faith of Jesus in the last days that you see in Revelation 14, 12. The redeemed keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. To keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus is that faith. It's the faith that was once delivered to the saints. It's a seal of trumpets and vows and knowing the work of God. And it requires knowing this truth not a hearer, but not just hearing and reading, but keeping the sayings of, sayings of the words of the book of this prophecy. And to do that, we have to have the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus. So what are we saying? The naos is the temple of a false church going throughout and deceiving the whole world. Moving in and under the leadership of a false spirit, that being the son of prediction, a man of sin, and in that spirit of Baal, Molech, Ashtaroth, because mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth, cannot wear the blue. Purple, scarlet, yes. She'll purple, she'll say king of kings, lord of lords, scarlet, she'll say he died on the cross, but she can't wear the blue. She will never wear the blue because the blue is the father. She will never confess Jesus Christ as the father of glory. 
she will never say that we're going through a time of great tribulation. What does she say? Well, Mr. Babylon says, I am a queen. I said a queen. I am no widow. I'm married to Jesus. And I will see no sorrow. I will have no birth pains. I will have no tribulation or persecution. And God said in Amos 9.10, I'll destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword, which say no evil shall prevent and overtake us. God said it himself. So there's two erroneous things. Number one, that there is a pre-trib rapture, and then national Israel goes through seven great years of tribulation. Tribulation in the last end of it, three and a half years of the great tribulation, death is national Israel, which is a lie. And those uh, that believe that, he states in Amos 9, verse 10, that he will destroy him by his sword. It's very important. It's very important that we understand the truth. Secondly, there will not have to be. Now, if they build a temple, that's fine, but that's not what he said. Paul stated, not a physical brick-and-mortar temple there in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, sending in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That is naos, a spiritual temple. In other words, that he as the you're going to have a body of Christ standing as one man. That's a son of man revelation. Jesus ahead, we the body of the Christ, making but one man. But then there's another man. And that man is a man of sin. It's the whole body in a synagogue of Satan. And that man has the number. It's the number of the beast. It's the number of a man. And that stands in direct opposition to the true body of Christ and Jesus ahead following the leading of the Holy Ghost. And that man is a Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And that has a number, key Z stigmas. Jesus Christ's key, Z, written as a snake, 60, is not, Stigma, six, come in the flesh. And because of that, they will receive that mark. It'll be worldwide. It'll be global. And the Lord said, anyone that takes that mark, that you believe, and then that simply, it's a belief system. It's your ideology. It's what you believe. It's what you have faith in. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord God Almighty. And you receive the word of God. He'll seal you. And you will be an instrument of righteousness, meet for the master's use, if you do not. And we breach this word in the words of the book of this prophecy. Then they'll receive the mark of the beast, the key Z stigma, which Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh. They will not follow the word, the leading of the Holy Ghost in all truth. And because of that, Paul said, take heed lest a singular promise slip any of us. We should seem to come short of entering into his rest. Is it a straight gate? Yes, it's straight. Straight is the gate and narrow the way to lead life. Few there be that find it. Do we have to hit that mark? Yes, directly on that mark. What's the mark? Not the beginning of this race. It's not the Aloph, Beth, Donald, Dalet. It's all the way to the tab. That's the reason in Ezekiel 9 you see the marks that are marked upon their forehead, the ones that are crying out for the sins of abomination done in Jerusalem. Set a mark upon their head. It's a tab. It's the last letter of the Hebrew abecedary. It's the ones that overcome to the end, that run this race to overcome and receive the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Those are the ones that eat all the book, the words of the book of this prophecy. That's what's given to John in Revelation 10. John there was a general voices of the seven thunders uttered their voices. John was about the right, said right and not. Why? Because we individually in the body of Christ must read this word of God for ourselves and diligently seek the Lord to find out each individual member's calling, the will of God for each individual's life. It'd be nice if we could just hear the seven voices and they're the seven thunders voices, and that begins. It's a general salvation, but it's more than that. Because Jesus stated in Matthew 7, 
not all that's saying to me, Lord, Lord, we'll be able to enter in. They know he's God Almighty, the Father, the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty. But not all will be able to enter in that have that revelation. They're little children. They know he's the Father. However, he says, because you did not do the will of God. And they begin to profess unto Jesus. We've done many wonderful works in your name. Prophesy in your name. Cast out devils in your name. Well, anyone that does a miracle in the name of the Lord Jesus can't speak lightly of him. But he goes on. We must do the will of God unto perfection. In other words, working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God that worketh in us both the will and the do of his good pleasure. Anyone that does not do the particular will of God that he's called each individual member for, according to the measure of every part, will not make heaven, will not be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's a very strong, profound word. We understand that. But it's still the truth. And those that are willing to diligently seek the Lord their God and willing to seal their testimony with their own blood, let me die the death of the righteous, let my last end be like his, literally forsaking all things, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ will, will inherit those promises. The ones that don't will not make it. We have to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ into a perfect man. He's coming back for a church without spot, without blemish. There's many things that's still there, but there's two things in this podcast we want to there focus on, and that is there's not a pre-tribulation rapture. One. Number two. That is not a brick-and-mortar physical temple. An ara. It's a naos. Sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, the son of perdition, is not a brick-and-mortar temple and will be manifest in and through the synagogue of Satan. We worldwide. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you in eschatology, last day events. Prophecies going out all over. Everybody has an idea. But the word of God stands sure and is established forever in heaven. If the Holy Ghost is bore witness with your spirit, we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to meet you as God's bringing his body in the unity of the faith unto one man. Jesus ahead, we the body of Christ. We'd like to meet you. We'd like to work together in the work of the ministry. You can call me. That is one plus. That's the country code one plus 903. That is the area code 746 4885. Leave a message, I'll get back to you. Or you can write me, Dennis Spirit, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or visit our website, sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com, or dennisbeard.org. And we want to thank you for your prayerful support and your generous offerings for Bible and Keep, the podcast coming to you over the various sites. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.